from the time that they pronounced me dead was a good 45 minutes. They cut my clothes and then they paddled my heart because my heart had stopped. And I could see people screaming and crying, but I didn't realize that was actually my physical body because I was somewhere else. The only thing that I could feel, if you could imagine absolute love and peace, there wasn't anything else to be felt. I was greeted by people I had known in the past. I'm back home again. Incredibly safe and felt at home. Welcome to Round Trip Death, everybody, and welcome to Sharon Kamara. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you, Eric. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Oh, that's so nice of you. I want to hear about Oregon. I know you live out there, and for people that haven't been there, man, is it beautiful. It is. It's gorgeous. We have pretty much everything you could ask for, except for the warm water on the coast. <laughs> but we have the coast, we have the mountains, we have the rivers, lakes, beautiful forests, and you know, and, and uh, the sand, of course, at the beach. It takes a little while to get used to the rain. I came back home. I was born and raised in Oregon until I was about 13. And then because of family divorce and everything like that, parents divorce, I moved around the South with my parents and moved back home about 18 years ago now. Yeah, I love it. Welcome back to the West. Yeah. It's a good place to be. So we're going to go clear back. You've had two near-death experiences. The first one is a child. And it's kind of interesting that you didn't remember this until after your second one. Can you explain that just a little bit? Because some people are going to go, oh, sure, you know, gee, if you don't remember it, is it even real? But I'll remind listeners, we've had a lot of people on the show that some didn't remember their experience for three days, for three years. There are things that can bring it back. So mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about, you don't have to get into all the details, but tell us a little about uh, the process that happened. Sure. Yeah, I thought the same thing. As an adult, I didn't remember most of my childhood, childhood anyway. And I always thought that was strange. Why is it I don't remember very much about, you know, being a kid? And my parents divorced when my sister and I were young. And there was a lot of moving around and things like that. And I remembered a little bit of that, but not much. We didn't live with either one of our parents there for a little while. We lived with my grandparents, and which is where a lot of things happened. And so after my near-death experience in 2001 the head injury, I ended up remembering that a little bit later after going into deep meditation. It started the, it was the beginning of my awakening or what my guys call my quickening, where I woke up to my soul, to who I really am and started having memories of my childhood. And that's how I remembered the experience as a childhood, the near-death experience in my childhood and there's no one that can tell me it wasn't real because as I was going through these uh, memories, because they just started happening for me, sometimes spontaneously, where I'd have to go into my room and sit with it because I remembered abuse as a child. That's why it was covered up and why it was um, repressed. And so the near-death experience when I was a child was during an, an experience where I was uh, beat. And I felt the feeling of it was so peaceful and so full of mm, love and peace. When I left my body, there, was, there isn't anyone that could tell me I was making that up. 
because I didn't understand what that would be like <laughs> as an adult, even in my life. I, I believe you. I wasn't trying to. Oh, I know. I wasn't trying to give you a hard time. But it is interesting that some of these memories can come flooding back later. And I understand why with the trauma that you repressed it for such a long time. We're going to be focusing on your second NDE. Mm -hmm. That's the most, oh, I hate to say it's the most profound, but that's the one where there's a lot more detail. Was there anything that you remember seeing or doing or feeling in your first one that you would like to share? Sure. In the in the first one, I ended up when I left my body, I was in what I understand now is what is called what I've heard people call the void. I didn't understand it at the time because it was a darkness, but it wasn't dark like we understand darkness. It was a nothingness, but more than it was it was a supportive nothingness. <laughs> a nothingness where everything I was there in a state of being able to expand and contract, expand and contract, where I remembered myself as the little girl that I was, and also as the universe. It's difficult to describe, but as I'm floating in this nothingness and everythingness of what I've heard called the void, and enjoying that, I don't know for how long, uh, is when I was met by the same being that met me in 2001, who was who we know Jesus. And I saw uh, the light, a light portal open up, and he approached me and told me that um, that I didn't have to go back, which was very different in 2001, where he told me it wasn't my time. But as a little girl, I was nine years old, he told me I didn't have to go back. And I told him that I wanted to finish my job. I had that awareness. I didn't say job. I just told him I need to finish. I'm not finished. I just started basically. And I I needed to finish. And he, uh, he asked me, are you sure? And I said, yes. And so that's when I was brought back to my body. Yeah. In 2001, it was very different. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how mature a nine-year-old can be in that kind of a setting? Mm-hmm. Right? Because you probably weren't that mature you know, in the toy store or whatever. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's fast forward to 2001. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I don't mean to laugh. I That's all right. You can laugh. Strikes me as so funny. I've talked to a few people lately who had their NDEs after being hit by cars or trucks. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to just spill some of the beans first before you get to it. But Sharon fell out of the back of a bus and was run over by a trailer. Oh, my gosh. Now that I've stolen your thunder, (laughs) tell us what was going on. Where were you? How did this all happen? Okay. I was uh, living in San Antonio, Texas. I was um, in my early 40s at the time. And we went, uh, my friends and I, my girlfriends and I decided to go intertubing down Guadalupe River in New Braunfels, Texas. It was for my friend's birthday. And we had a really good day on the river. And we had been there quite a few times already. We enjoyed doing it. And when we got on the shuttle bus, we got on the shuttle bus to for the shuttle bus to take us back to our cars so that um, we could go home for the day. It was around 5 o'clock. I was the first in our group. There was five of us. I was the first in the group to get on the bus when the shuttle bus pulled up. 
and it was pulling a trailer with all of our ice chests and our inner tubes and everything. And it was one of those little school buses. When I got on the bus, I saw that it was already full of people and it doesn't hold that many. It holds 13, I think is the maximum occupancy, which includes the driver. And I turned around to get back off, but there was a bunch of people behind me that wanted to get on. So I ended up getting on. I thought, well, it's only a couple of miles. I guess I'll go ahead and get on. So I was the first one on. And people also were on the bus saying, come on, get on, come stand back here in the aisle way, in the aisle. So I did. And I was uh, the first of our group to get on. And I was in the back of the bus, which where the emergency door exit, that door was behind my back. And as he was driving down down the road, when he it was a four on the floor kind of thing, one of those buses where it's manual gear and he was he was shifting through gears which was jerkiness back and forth and at one point as he's shifting gears moving away from a a, a signal light it jerked it so hard that I went up was thrown up against the back door and I fell out of the back of the bus at that point so this door just flew open all of a sudden when you hit it oh my gosh yeah yeah, it just flew open. Man. And I remember thinking it was everything just kind of was in slow motion. <laughs> it, you know, how they people say time stopped kind of thing. And it did. It was in slow motion. I remember thinking, I can't believe I'm falling out of this bus. Am I really falling <laughs> out of this bus? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen every day. No. No. And it's funny how our brain tries to process so quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a split second thing happening to you. Yeah, yeah, totally. And uh, and so I bounced off the trailer hitch on my back onto the pavement underneath the the trailer, and I bounced again. I remember all the bounces. I bounced again onto my side, and at that point, my head was right in line with the wheel of the trailer, and I knew in my mind that I was going to get run over because I yelled in my head, just as loud as could be, stop, you're killing me. And at that point is when the tire ran over my head, the back tire ran over my head. And that's when I popped out of my body. Wow. Yeah. I'm just curious. Do you have any idea how far on the bus went before they realized and stopped and Mm -hmm. got you help? It was about a block or two. My friends told me afterwards that they were yelling at him and there was people talking and, you know, and everything like that. Yeah. Chaos. Yeah. And the people in the back knew I had fallen out, like my friend that was standing in front of me. And it's a good thing I didn't grab her because my hands went out right away to try to grab something. And she was five months pregnant. So good thing I didn't grab her and take her with me. People were yelling at him to stop. And he finally did. It was about a block block or two. So it wasn't too far. And and we'll come back before we're done Mm -hmm. and talk about the physical injuries and some of your recovery, if that's okay. Sure. But you popped out of your body immediately, you said. So tell me what happened next. Okay. So I'm floating above my body, look to be maybe 20 feet or something like that, looking down, and I see my body in the road. And I'm thinking, I mean, I recognize this body as as my body, but I don't feel any attachment to it. I don't feel any pain. I feel peace. I feel that type of feeling. Okay, well, that's my body. I know in my mind that I had died. I knew that what I was yelling about or what I thought was going to happen had happened because I knew that when that wheel was going to run over my head, I was going to die. 
And so I knew that I had died again, because I knew at that moment in time, that point that I had done this many times before. And so I didn't have any, I wasn't panicked anymore. I didn't feel any pain, didn't feel any panic, any anxiety. What I was thinking was I felt bad for my friends because because we had a really good day. And so I was lamenting that. We had such a good day. And here I go, and I was thinking, here I go and die on them. That's really going to be a bummer. You just ruined their day. How dare you? (laughs) I know, right? It's going to be a big bummer for them. (laughs) My friends are going to want to celebrate her birthday and all that and everything, you know? And so I was thinking about that and felt bad. And also then I, my thoughts went to, oh, and I saw this commuter bus coming toward my body. And I thought, I hope that bus doesn't run over my body because that would make a big mess. And so these thoughts are going through my head. And, and I thought about my partner at the time and I was brought to him and I knew, I just knew that he would be okay. He, you know, he'd, he'd grieve for a while, but he would be okay. And then I thought about my sister who I was very close and still very close to. And my thoughts went to her and I knew that she would grieve badly, but she would be all right too. She has her family. She has kids and has her family and her husband. And then I thought about my mom, who I was really close to, and she lived down the road from me and I kind of took care of her. And when I thought about my mom, I felt a presence behind me. And my stepfather who had passed in uh, three years earlier, who I was really close to, was was a big catalyst for me with uh, my spiritual progress. I was raised Catholic, and I was not a very good Catholic. My parents weren't good Catholics, but I, you know, I believed in higher power. I believed in in a God, not the judgmental God or anything like that. I didn't I didn't want to go to church. I was not. <laughs> when my grandmother used to make us go to church when we lived with my grandmother, I would fight her. I feel bad now. I make her chase me around the house to get, because uh, we went every day except Sunday, Saturday. So I, um, I didn't have a close relationship with Jesus or anything like that. I just um, knew that I probably had somebody watching out for me because I probably should have died before that many times because I was a partier. That was my life. I mean, I kept down a job. I had a good job and everything like that. But, uh, you know, I just kind of was doing that type of thing. My stepfather, I felt my, I turned around, turned my, around, took my attention off of the scene and saw my stepfather, who I missed pretty badly because we were really close. And he told me telepathically that it wasn't my time. And I was kind of confused. And I told him that I wanted to stay. And at that point, I noticed a portal opening to my right. Oh, he mentioned something about my mom and telepathically was sending me information about my mom that I was going to, I needed, that she needed me. I was going to help her transition, that, those types of things. And we had a conversation about that. And uh, then the portal starts opening. Before you move on, mm-hmm. do you mind if I ask, were, were you feeling your stepfather or did you actually see him? And if so, can you describe him? what he was wearing, anything like that? I'd love more detail. Sure. Yes, I saw him. He was there with me and he looked like himself, except for he was younger and looked a lot healthier. Uh, he was he was sick when he, when he passed. He had lung disease, but he was wearing these glasses 
the dark, the, the horn rim glasses, you know, the black framed glasses. And I used to make fun of him when I was a kid, when I was younger, because he would wear them when they weren't cool. And so, <laughs> so I would say, dad, please, can you wear some wire rim glasses? You look like a dork. And so when he shows himself to me in spirit, he's wearing those glasses. That's his signature. He looked like that. He's got that sense of humor. So that's what he looked like. Yeah, he was, I mean, he had similar clothes to what he was, what he wears here and slacks and, and like a, a tunic shirt. So not the white toga robes or anything like that. Mm-mm. No, he wasn't wearing that. I don't get why he was wearing glasses. Was that just so you could identify him or do you think he actually needed them to see? No, he didn't need them to see. It was our joke. Gotcha. It was his communication to me. Uh, yeah, because I was already com- communicating with him in ways after he passed. I started connecting and seeing him in the spirit world before my NDE, a little while before. Okay. Because he died in 98. Are you seeing anybody else or just him? At that point, I was only seeing him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you mentioned this portal opens up. What was that like? Was it like a big cave? Was it, what was it like? It was, uh, it was a circular portal. I wouldn't call it a, well, I guess you could call it a cave, but I don't see the end of it, but I see people in it. And it was a, like a blue gray that wasn't full of light, but I could see people in it. And I knew that they were my ancestors. I recognized my grandparents. I recognized some other people that I knew that had passed from this life, my ancestors. And there, there were ancestors in there that I wouldn't have recognized. I didn't recognize from this life, but I knew that were my ancestors and mm. they were inside that portal and they weren't smiling and welcoming me home. They just had kind of a, a deadpan look on their face, but they were there. And I, and then I realized, I started realizing, okay, well, this doesn't look like a welcome home <laughs> committee, <laughs> right? And so as that's going on, I, I'm feeling drawn toward the portal and another portal opens up beyond this portal. And it's bright like the sun, yellow, white, or golden white, like the sun. And that starts expanding much larger than this other portal that I see. And as that expands, I'm drawn to that portal. And within, I don't, you know, I don't know how to construct time there compared to here, other than, you know, maybe a few seconds or something like that. I see a figure moving out of that portal very quickly, moving toward me. And and he's, and it's a male in, in white robes. And I recognize him as Jesus, who I call Yeshua. And he's moving very quickly toward me and as I recognize him I've (laughs) I realize that I missed him terribly and I flew to him I just flew to him that is really cool what were you able to embrace him yes spend time yes yes I was able to embrace him and we had an exchange we had in a telepathic exchange where within that exchange he tells me it's not my time and I tell him I want to stay with him and this is thought transference. What I remember is his, I mean, completely without question are his eyes and his laugh, his chuckle. And he laughs when I tell him I want to stay with you. And it's a more of a, I understand kind of chuckle, kind of laugh, that type of thing. And his eyes were 
it was like looking at the universe in his eyes and yeah it's hard to hard to describe try <laughs> they were blue okay but a blue like we can't don't it, it, the colors are not like we understand blue they were a deep blue and i see stars i see light and love and a depth that i realize i'm seeing my soul too he's reflecting me back into his eyes and so there's an exchange there as he's holding me he lifts my chin up so i can see his face and that's when i see him and uh, his face and his eyes and while we're exchanging that i i am engulfed in his in light at that point i'm engulfed in light and love and any of my thoughts of worries, thoughts of not wanting to return, thoughts of um, missing him, anything I would feel guilty about, any any pains, anything was washed away, was cleansed in that light. And I, I was just one big smile, <laughs> this huge smile. I had become part of him. He, he was a part of me. We were just one fully encompassing smile. And I know you might not be able to explain it anymore, but if possible, explain this engulfed in light and love. For those of us who haven't had it, what? how would you describe it? Mm, yeah, I guess say you're immersed in a bath, water bath, and you become part of you are the water the water is flowing through you and you all your cells are filled with love everything the love the light is tangible it's intelligent you are filled and surrounded with pure love and i just remember saying i mean thinking i mean you're not thinking you're just feeling you feel completely surrounded, completely supported, completely loved beyond what we could ever imagine. That is awesome. Thank you for going through that. I know that wasn't easy. Is there a next? What happened after that? Yes. So again, I don't know how long we were in that space. Uh, and I do feel that that happened to help me heal, for, to help my body heal, bringing back that light. At one point, I hear his voice again, pulling me back to the awareness as me as Sharon. And he asked me if I would like to go on a journey with him. Yeah. <laughs> right? You didn't have to think very long, did you? Yeah. But I guess they need our permission. And, I, and I'm like, sure. And so he puts his hand out. I take his hand. And as soon as I put my hand in his, which, by the way, before I even go on to, well, you know, that, I felt... With my hand in his, I felt his hand was just so intense. I could feel every line in my hand, every crack and crevice, you know, like you feel a hand. Afterwards, I'm thinking, it's like we have gloves on here over our senses, the sense of touch and everything we have. It's like we're wearing a big glove, you know, a barrier to the intenseness of the sen our senses that we have in the in the higher planes. And so I was just intently aware of my hand in his and how his hand felt in mine. And then in an instant, we're flying through 
the cosmos. And I was saying, or the cosmos is flying through us. I don't know which, but um, it felt like we were moving. <laughs> and there's lights flying by us. I see a, a bright light off in the distance. And he's bringing the, these things to my attention as we're, as we're flying. And he has my hand. And I notice that we're coming closer to a portal. The portal opens up and I see and as we move through, and we move through this portal. It's a blue portal, a bright blue bright blue portal. As we move through this portal, I see a planet that is uh, turquoise in color. Yeah, turquoise color, beautiful turquoise, and the colors just don't match what we, I mean, we don't have the right colors, the colors that match the colors that we can see in the other realms. And as we're moving down toward this planet, and as we move toward the planet, I recognize the planet as a water planet that is a home for me. When we stop and we're floating above the planet, I become acutely aware of the consciousness of the planet. And I begin to merge with the consciousness of the planet. And I feel I get a mother energy from the planet, you know, like Mother Earth, uh, that feminine caretaking energy, uh, sentient energy. And I'm merging with her and, our, and I'm merged with the consciousness of this planet this body yeah this body of water and there's when we dove in there's a lot beneath the surface of the oceans and i realized that i i have immense love for every being everything that's on the body on my body as this planet my goal is to take care of every everything all parts of my planet and to be and supportive of everything that's on the planet. And I actually, and I have that same reciprocal love from the beings on the planet as well. It's a symbiotic relationship between me as the, as the planet and the beings. And I can move my awareness, just like when I was in the void, I can move my awareness from the smallest sentient being on the planet to the, to the planet, you know, the wholeness of the planet to the smallest amoeba, a cell, or whatever on the planet, I can move back and forth in that state. And then at some point, I become uh, come back to the reality of me as Sharon, and we dive down toward the planet, and we dive into the water. And I am reunited with a aquatic family that I have there. And um, I have a mate. I have children. I have my ancestors there. I'm reunited with them. And that's pretty amazing. <laughs> that part is ended up being very emotional for me when I would bring those memories back here because it was such a huge part of me because I've always been connected to the dolphins and the whales and the, you know those and what we call mermaids and things like that all my life and so and so being taken back to that planet and being meeting my family there was uh, something he told me I can go there anytime in my meditations or when I'm back home, not back home, but when I'm back on the planet of earth, I can go there anytime. And he told me when I finish my, my earth mission type of thing on earth, then I can take my focus there and be there for as long as I want. And it's because um, we can move our focus wherever we want in our life, in these 
dimensional lifetimes, interdimensional lifetimes that we have, life experiences that we have. And this one, he said that I can, I can stay there for as long as I want and be in that, that form. So at some point, I remembered agreeing with him. I told him, uh, okay, I'll, I will agree to go back. But you have to stay, you have to, <laughs> you have to make sure that I know that you're with me throughout my life, right next to me and are, and are tangent or are, are tangible in my life. So you're kind of bargaining with him a little bit. I did. <laughs> I'll, I'll do this for you if you'll do this for me. I did. Yes. I like it. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm back in my body. Do you remember what that was like going back into your body or you just woke up? It was a thud. It was a thud. No, I don't remember going back. I just remember being in my body. And I did not remember those that ex, all of that until a couple years late. Well, I should say it came to me little by little because I started having out-of-body experiences where I was flying to a sun, flying to a sun, trying to get there. And I would come back to my body before I would get there. Or And I, I was also having out-of-body experiences where I was in, in a... Um, underwater as a aquatic being, a mer-type being, those things started happening. But I didn't put them together right away until um, I was working with Yeshua, my mother, until my mother passed and she brought things into my life from the spirit world that started putting the pieces of the puzzle together as I um, began working with Yeshua in my meditations. I made a commitment to be in my room every night at 9 p.m. and so he could help me work through a lot of things. You mentioned myrrh and mermaids a couple of times. Do you want to expound on that a little bit? That's what we looked like. <laughs> that's what we were like. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like that's kind of your origin or something you're going back to or? You know, that's a good question. I, I feel that we have, our soul has many, many, many other planetary experiences that Thank goodness. I mean, as much as I love Earth, thank goodness Earth isn't the only experience that we, you know, we have. Uh, what I've learned and remembered, and I feel like that one is a, um, I guess you could call it parallel in another dimension or or reality, another realm or something like that, where um, I can just move into that that planetary experience whenever it's probably going on now. You, I'm sure you've heard the theory or whatever that time, everything happens at the same time. There really isn't any linear time. Yeah, my brain hasn't quite wrapped around <laughs> the fact that in the eternities, there's not really time. Right. But does that mean everything's happening at the same time? I, I, that doesn't really make sense to me at this point. But yeah. But no time, no time does make sense. And nonlinear does make sense. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean everything's happening at once. Okay. Yeah. I see, kind of see uh, time, I guess you could say, uh, or experiences as um, cyclical on a, you know, on a circle that way. Yeah. That makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. So it's happening. There, Things are happening. Our experiences are happening and we can jump to any part of the cycle, the circle that we want now it's some of them we can't change because they've we've already experienced them perhaps but we can still go and experience it but we can't add to it or subtract to it maybe if that makes any sense 
Why do you think most of us can't remember any of this? Yeah, good question. I believe that I, I kind of feel that the veil, the program, it's kind of been programmed out of us. And I feel that we we are brought into this realm, this dense realm, with that forgetfulness because it might be too much for us to remember all at once. I think definitely. That the journey of remembering is is part of the journey. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of things that we couldn't learn if we remembered everything before we got mm-hmm. here. Yeah. We couldn't have the same kind of experience here. Right. You did mention earlier about, I forget how you put it, something about when you died or left your body that you had done this many times before. Did I get that right? Yes. And this is this pre-earth that we're talking about. This is where this has happened before. In other words, you feel like in these other realms before coming here, there was also life and death and moving on to the next step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to expound on that at all? Well, yeah, I just felt like I, I mean, I knew that I have had other lives and you, I guess you can call it past lives, other realities where I've lived out that experience and died in a you know, was in a physical body and died in this realm and went on to plan another lifetime, I guess you could say, plan another experience, whether it be on earth or other planetary bodies. I just, um, I just knew I had that awareness when that happened. All right. Tell me what kind of a recovery you had, what your head was run over. So I assume you had a traumatic brain injury. Anything else? No, you didn't. I didn't. I didn't even have a concussion. Yeah. You mentioned you felt like you were healed. I Well, yes. The embrace of Jesus was healing you and your body both. Yeah, my hair was falling out. <laughs> so tell me you didn't just get up and walk away and go, oh, that was different. Well, I did get up. I jumped up from the uh, pavement. I jumped up and I was in shock. And I was pacing back and forth. My friends, um, when the bus finally stopped, they came running back to help me and uh they the driver called an ambulance <clears throat> they put me on a spine stabilizer i was bleeding from the ear but it wasn't a concussion they were worried about a concussion it was just my ear was um the bottom part of my ear was torn off and so they glued it back together luckily not torn off it was hanging they glued it back together <laughs> at, at the hospital uh, i was in the hospital 5 hours X-rays showed nothing broken. I didn't have a concussion. I had a lot of road rash and um, I had I have damage to tissue, tissue damage, ligament damage, that all that, you know, that kind of thing in my back, which I have to maintain. But uh, no, and I had tire tracks across my head and they teased me about that in the hospital where my, and my hair was falling out on both sides of my head. But uh, yeah, I have some scars for sure. But no. Nothing serious. You were only in the hospital five hours. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> That's insane. Do you have any pictures? Like the tire track on your head? I want to see it. That was 22 years ago. It was um, before smartphones. It was before smartphones. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I took pictures then, but I was laid up. I was laid up for a couple of weeks in bed. You know, the the pain set in. I could barely move. 
but there was no permanent damage. I did have to go through some recovery. I was off work for a couple months. Luckily, my boss at the time was very nice about the whole thing. Yeah, I was in. I was home recovering when nine eleven happened. I wouldn't bring up religion, but you did earlier. You sure. said you were a bad Catholic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did this experience change your view of religion or mm. of God, or how did it change you? No, it didn't change my view of religion. Um, it did bring me closer to to Jesus, to Christ, to Yeshua. I learned from Him that so much. I still, I mean, he's, he's part of me and I talk to him. He's always on my mind. I talk to him all the time. He's my guide. He's my, I can say savior. If you want to use that word, he saved my life. Definitely. He, and more ways than one. And he, um, he's who, who I owe everything to. I wouldn't be here without him even afterwards. And even though my body was healed, I still had a lot of healing to go through with my soul, for sure. Well, I really appreciate you sharing this. It's an amazing story. It's a really cool story. Thank you. What thought would you like to leave with our listeners tonight? Oh, gosh. Um, a lot of things that Yeshua has taught me, taught me is that we are really here to, to help each other, to be kind to each other, to be love, be who we are and what we are, which is love, which is light. And, um, and that we're so much more powerful than we think we are. And the trials and tribulations that we go through are to help strengthen us and uh, help us realize who we really are. And we choose them. And I, I knew that I had made agreements. He helped me realize I had made agreements with the people that um, I was going through in, in, uh, abuse with as a child. Okay, So he helped me through all that. And um, if there's anything in anyone's life that seems that they can't get through, know that there's always light on the other side of it. I know because I went through a very tough time afterwards because of uh, what I was remembering, the uh, experiences I was having afterwards. So it wasn't all hunky-dory afterwards just because I was met by Yeshua. It took a while for me to remember my true self. And we're moving into a really amazing time. He showed me that. There's a lot I haven't shared with you that he showed me that I was shown okay, is that we are moving into an amazing time. We just have to go through the the depths of <laughs> of the purge, I guess you could call call it of what humanity is going through now, a detox, and we are going through an amazing, amazing time. Somebody listening today does not know if they should believe in an afterlife or not whether everything just ends when we die or if there's something more, what message of hope do you have for that person? Yeah, I can't make anyone believe anything. I believe that people have to maybe or need their own experiences in order to have that belief. Uh, I know it's, I know the afterlife is real. I know that we are eternal because of my experience and my, both my NDEs have shown me that, have proved that to me. I'm not afraid to die. I don't want to have the pain, of course. This is just a small part of who we are as a soul, and we are eternal. If they want to dive into their soul and maybe start asking the, those questions and, and seek, be a seeker in that way, then meditation and uh, what he taught me, meditation and journaling, is the best way to do that. And then find, you know, people need to find their own answers for sure, because everything is within us. We can't look outside of ourselves 
to find answers. It has to be within. Sharon, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. Thanks again for listening and sharing this podcast. Don't forget to hit the follow or subscribe button and sign up for our newsletter at roundtripdeath.com. If you want to share your near-death experience, or if you have questions or comments about the show, send an email to eric at roundtripdeath.com. Until then, I wish you everything good that you're looking for in this life and the next. Thank you.